Welcome to SHIFT, college admissions in the ACT and SAT in a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that includes everything you need to ace your exam. A full textbook, tons of ACT questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, you can use the code PODCAST to get 10% off. Now, let's get started. Today on the show, we have Brian Eufinger from Edison Prep. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm Brian Eufinger. I am one of the two co-founders of Edison Prep, which is based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and helping students mostly in Atlanta, but nationwide uh, via Zoom. Uh, We do SAT and ACT for about 90% of what we do. Uh, We do some AP history uh, work as well as some subject tutoring for math and other things as well. And yeah, we're full-time tutors here in Atlanta, and we've worked with about 18,000 students over the years, and we enjoy it. We uh, still take the tests each year and enjoy nerding out on all the new, well, all the old content, and today's topic, talking about some new content that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that. So the SAT is going digital and going adaptive, and those are pretty big changes. So what, are, I mean, just high level, what do you think about this? Um, I think there are a lot of important parallels to be drawn with the digital SAT transition as there were when when the change happened in 2016 from the 2,400-point test to the 1,600-point test. Because there are technological differences, obviously, but I think at the high level, at the strategic level, you know, this, for parents and students listening to this for advice, I think what we'll probably see is very similar to what we saw last time, which is you either go big or you go home. Uh, which is if you are going to take the current format SAT, you should not be somebody who doesn't even take their mock SAT of the current format until Labor Day or something because then you're essentially going for it on the first time on third down or fourth down and then, oops, hope you made it because if not, you got to go <laughs> restudy for the whole new format. So um, right. I mean, I've, I've always been the person who's, who's told people that in my utopia – as long as someone is on level or above in math and has had Algebra 2 by the end of sophomore year, in my utopia, everyone would take a full-length mock of both tests by the 4th of July before junior year or Labor Day at the latest. That utopia needs to be mandatory, in my opinion, if, if someone <laughs> wants to have – if kids from the pivotal transition class of 2025 are to be smart with their planning – because uh, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing will be worse. Like, I live here in Georgia. Georgia has a lottery scholarship where if you get a 1,200 or a 26, then you get the Zell Miller Hope Scholarship that covers literally 100% of tuition, which is a big deal. Uh, wow. And so imagine someone started prepping too late on the old format and got 1190. Uh, well, that stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one, because it would be great to be done, but two, the college board is recommending that colleges super score across the two test formats, because they're both out of 1,600, they're both um, correlated with each other, who knows if colleges will do that or not, and so better safe than sorry. So I would either plan on being done by December on the SAT, on the the devil we know, or if you are wanting to wait for the new test, that's fine, then just make sure you take the the new tests the first time if you can. Now that's counterintuitive, because a lot of people will say, don't be a guinea pig, if the first test of the new SAT is in March and you're a junior, I get people not wanting to be a guinea pig, 
but they've been doing testing. A lot of our actual existing students have been doing practice tests as they've been calibrating stuff already. It's fine. Go be a guinea pig in March and May because you can't be a, a martyr and wait until senior year or, or something like that, try to take the test to avoid guinea pig status. That, that'd be unfortunate. So, um, right. yes, either prep to be done by December at the absolute latest or take your first test of the digital right when it happens in March or take the ACT, which is why my hopeful utopia happens with the whole 4th of July mocks because you need to take one of each to see which way to go. Um, right. I, mean, I do it. I will say one other thing that I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you um, ask questions, but I think the important thing is finding out which one you are earlier has never been more important than during the transition year. Cause we saw people who did not do that. And then they were too late to make a risky run at the current version. And what happened was we were an 80% ACT company, 80, 85% ACT company the year of the 2016 transition. Right. Just because kids saw the logic in not trying to go for it on third or fourth down, so to speak. Yeah, I feel like that might happen again, to be honest with you. I think it, if not because the SAT is going to be dramatically different just because people are going to be worried about it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's the devil, the devil you know uh, versus you don't. Um, I will say one thing. So it is shorter, which which kids will like. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in the in the big picture of college, saving one hour, um, I really do hope, just from a logic and saving mom and dad's pocketbook money standpoint, mm-hmm. that you don't see some kid who has like a top twelve percent cold score on the ACT and a top thirty percent score on the SAT choose the SAT because mom, I get to be done an hour earlier. I, I'm sure certain that will unfortunately happen, but hopefully not too much. Um, I mean, that's a creature comforts thing. Uh, I will say that there's. I worry there's going to be a lot of uh, technical snafus the first uh, time or two. Um, mm-hmm. So we've always thought it's important to um, take it at a place that it has a good history of running the test well. Um, I think that becomes more important when you have issues with technology and bandwidth and computer stuff and power cores and other stuff. So I think that's right. critical. Yeah, and I would also say um, the technology aspect is is interesting because the SAT going adaptive, so that's pretty familiar to us because like Achievable, um, we've had a GRE course for a few years and the GRE is an adaptive test. Um, but going from a non-adaptive test to an adaptive test is a pretty big difference in how you like design the actual exam. Um, as And then also it adds a layer of the computer program that you know hopefully the computer program is calibrated pretty well because they're doing tons of mocks. Um, but you know, it may not be. So that's also, those are a couple things to think about. Yeah. I mean, there's different kinds of adaptive. So this new digital SAT is going to be what they call section adaptive right? versus, yeah, just like versus question. Yeah. Which is qu- versus question adaptive. So yeah. question adaptive is a lot more work, obviously, where it literally recalibrates what the next question thrown at you is on a question by question basis. Whereas now you have the SAT where you get the first module and based on how well you do in the first module, you either get an easier one or a harder one. What a lot of my colleagues and I have started calling upstairs, downstairs. So if you do well enough on the first module, then you get to go upstairs to the harder stuff and your maximum possible score is much higher than if you don't quite make it, you know, if you didn't make the cut and then you aced all of the easier sort of, you know, the downstairs mod, second half of the module, then you would be capped at a, you know, a lower score. 
Mm-hmm. So that's going to play into a lot of strategy as far as kids deciding how much time to allocate on that first module to make sure they're, that they're not rushing through the first module and go downstairs, but that they're not spending so much time in the first module that they get to the upstairs harder module and don't have a time to finish. So right. it's because it's not linear, it's going to be very, very different you know, where not every question is worth the same, where there is sort of a choose-your-own-adventure depending on how much you get right or wrong, you take different paths. Um, that is you know, that is definitely going to play into some kids. Some kids will like that um, sort right. of gamified part of it. Some kids will mess with their heads, so it just depends. Yeah, I mean, it definitely can mess with your head um, when you did really well in the first section and the second section beats you up, right? Or it can it can mess with your head equally if you feel like you did well in the first section and then the second section feels easier and you're like, Oh no, (laughs) did I really do well? But I think, you know, it's just important to just kind of don't, don't worry about that stuff too much. Just do the problems. Um, I'm curious then I'd love to talk about like when it comes to the new digital SAT, what is the timeline for it? Cause I I think you were, you were saying December and March, but just for our listeners who haven't done their homework on this, like you have, like, you know, what year is it coming out and what year should you be expecting to take the last old SAT, et cetera? So first off, anybody who's a current senior or junior, this episode is highly irrelevant. No need, uh, because you'll have hopefully picked out your college, maybe your roommate even, by the time that you, that by the time the new digital SAT debuts for the first time. If you are a sophomore or below, uh, sophomores are the big transition year. They have to make that decision, you know, which way do I go? You know, go big, go home analogy from before. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a freshman, like, this might be interesting info, but the waters will have calmed long before people who are freshmen should be starting to look at this test. Yeah, in, in 2022 freshmen <laughs> also. Yes. Uh, yeah. So March, um, so yeah, March 2024 is the first test of the new test. Okay. Um, and so that, you know, the kids in the second half of their junior year, the class of 2025, will be the ones who are the ones taking that. Um, yeah, so there's, uh, I would not encourage anybody younger than that, like who, the class who are current freshmen. You, you have all the time in the world, let the, uh, let the waters calm before you worry about it. Yeah. And then when people are making this decision, I mean, is the key thing that you think they should be thinking about timing? Like, let's say you're that class of 2025 person. Is it like, oh, I know that I'm going to kind of have the summer off that year and I'll be able to study a lot and I'll be able to, you know, take that, like that, you know, like you said, kind of that last old test, the devil we know, uh, and to have a really good shot at it versus, oh, I'm going to have to study senior year or whatever, like maybe not. Or what are the other things you should be, we, people should be thinking about when making their choice? I mean, in theory, it doesn't matter because if someone has a reasonable score and a reasonable goal and works really hard at it, taking the test twice and trying to be done is not unreasonable. You mm-hmm. know, the, the national average kid in just generic suburbia takes it two and a half times, at least at least here in Atlanta, because half take it twice and, and half take it three times, and that's fine. So if someone, as they should, takes mocks early to figure out SAT versus ACT and says, oh, wow, I'm going to take the digital SAT and then ramp, 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 you know, start studying the back end of winter break and then takes it in early March. You can just take March and May with June as your backup plan. And still, even with the transition year being kind of funky, even those people with proper planning would still be done by the end of junior year um, and not have to worry about senior year tests. So as long as you plan, 
it is not too stressful to transition. Those who don't plan, yeah, it could be it could be kind of stressful. Yeah, makes sense. And then anything else people should be thinking about when it comes to this new digital SAT or anything else you want to cover on this? Yeah, I mean, there's the there's the crowd pleasers where like, yes, the digital SAT scores are going to come back faster than the paper ones did. And it is one hour shorter, which high schoolers will appreciate. Um, but then there's also counterbalance with, you know, there could be technology mishaps at the school, bandwidth issues, connection issues. There, so there's there's plenty of that kind of interesting stuff. I, I, I would say as a tutor, mm-hmm. what I worry more about and what happened on the new SAT back in 2016 is whether our students will have sufficient good materials to talk about or to use because you know as the joke went, um, when the new SAT came out, they only had uh, at first two and then soon after four tests for the new SAT. And the joke that I made with some of our clients is, you know what they call you know four S four SATs in New Jersey, they they call it Sunday, um, and so it's it's a great joke. But you know, there's a lot of hardcore preppers who who are going to need to burn through a lot of tests. So I do hope that they give more. They've promised eight, which is fine, um, and eight isn't enough for a lot of people, uh, but not for mm-hmm. not for a lot of the hard most hardcore students. So much so that a couple other tutors and I have been working on. Um, a data, a, a tool, a software tool that is going to bolster the real College Board test because we're going to need more material to grind through for our own clients. So that is, um, you know, we are hoping the College Board gives us infinity number of questions and it's not an issue. But um, a lot of that, that's the biggest concern I hear privately among my tutor friends is, you know, I worry about enough content being available. Like there's anybody with internet connection and a, and a little bit of Hard, a little bit of easy work can go on Reddit and find you know, 55, 60 ACTs. Like no one's ever running out of ACTs or current SATs. But during that pinch of raw materials, that is um, why we're being cautious and building that just because I need to have materials that are the, 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 you know, the fodder that makes our tutoring sessions go. Right, exactly, yeah. And I think that'll be kind of a universal problem, right? I think most of the tutors that I'm talking to are, share that concern. <laughs> Where they're just like, well, there's just going to be that first kind of window when everything's getting geared up where I'm not going to have very much to go off of, right? So hopefully they just kind of, the, the problem the, the problem quality and difficulty will transition relatively smoothly and then the main sort of difference will be in how it's administered, but we'll see. For sure. Cool. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Brian Eufinger from Edison Prep. You can try out Achievable's ACT course for free at achievable.me, and if you like it, you can use the code podcast to get 10% off at checkout.